This is the WMSC interview of Zamboni guitarist Rob Orr by Nick Perkel. You performed at and hosted the Thrash Bash Barbecue, an underground backyard concert in Wantage, New Jersey. Looking back, what would you say was something you learned that you carry with you whenever you pick up your instrument nowadays? Well, it was definitely a good learning experience promoting-wise because like, we, we obviously set up the show ourselves, Chris and I, and uh, just doing all the running around beforehand, you know, getting food, whatnot, and just setting up with uh, the, the sound system and making sure everything worked right and then, you know, promoting the show. So that was definitely, like, a good experience there. Also, to some extent, like, mixing and engineering because I, uh, we, with our sound system, with our mixing board, you know, I set up the speakers and, and the mixing board and the mics and stuff. So we had to, you know, get a good balance between all the, the instruments and, and vocals and uh, try to find a good place to put all the instruments in the garage where, you know, the drums would be heard and not be drowned out by uh, guitars and bass and whatnot. Any further thoughts on that? I mean, it, it was, I, I guess that's it. I mean, it was good learning-wise also, guitar-wise, because, you know, they say one sh one show, playing one show is like 10 rehearsals. So, um, and, you know, it's really hard for Chris and I, with our work and school schedules, to, to meet up to rehearse. So, you know, just being there to play. And then we got a chance to play with Steve, who's also filling with in for us on the uh, 28th. Uh, so that was a good uh, good thing to do, was play with him. So, What is your analysis of the local scene that you consider yourself a part of? It's pretty decent down towards the city more. Up here, not so much, because there's just not that many thrash bands that are up here in Sussex County. But um, down towards the city, we got a good local scene going. You know, we got Bomb Scare, the Ego Kill guys, uh, Condition Critical, who just came back from uh, doing their album down in Florida. So we can't wait for that to come out. And, uh, you know, the, just between the New Jersey, New York scene, there's there's some pretty decent bands going on right now. And uh, hopefully it gets bigger as time goes on. I believe you're playing your first show since the Thrash Bash Barbecue at the Blue Room in Secaucus. What type of plans do you have for your show with your set list? Um, well, we're setting, we're changing up the set list a little bit. Uh, we took a couple songs out that we've played a lot, that we've played at every show. Um, and we're putting uh, a new song in that we haven't played since last year. And we're also doing a, a new cover. So it's going to be a little bit different. The, we also changed up the lineup of the set list. Uh, we did that at the Thrash Bash Barbecue also, but we're, we're continuing it again. We used to start off the show at World War Z, but now we're closing the show at World War Z. Uh, so we uh, you know jumbled it up a little bit just to mix things up. What is this new cover you're putting in as well as this track that you're revisiting? Um, since uh, last year we're doing uh it's gonna be actually pretty cool we're doing a johnny cash cover of Folsom prison blues we uh did a little uh thrash punk arrangement of it so it sounded pretty cool um chris and i just rehearsed it uh sunday and um it sounded pretty decent so far so uh and then we're gonna do a we have a revised version of mother of the resistance from our obviously from the mother of the resistance ep which is uh, a bit shorter because it seemed like when we were playing it last year, it just dragged on a little bit and people kind of got bored. So we uh, we tightened it up a bit, uh, made it cut out some uh, ex some of the meat off of it, some or the, some of the fat off of it, I should say, and uh, it sounded pretty good. So uh. tell me, how did you really change up 
your version of the Folsom Prison Blues? It's a really simple song as is. It's it's like three chord progression. I think it's E A B or something like that, or it's something like that. So um, we basically just uh, sped it up a lot, and it's a lot of like you know like thrash picking on the open E string, and um, you know a lot of like just power chords and stuff, and uh, you know sounding like a completely like thrashy version of it. What type of covers do you usually put into your set? And um, what have you enjoyed uh, playing as of late? Um, well, we've only done a couple covers before. We um, our first show we did a little like kind of like a, a little like fun thing at the end where we played part the intro to a tankard, the, the song tankard by tankard, or empty tankard. That was pretty cool. Um, and then of course at our second show last year in August we did um, five year plan, which we also did again this year, and that's. A good uh, crowd pleaser, I think. A lot of people like that. Um, and then Folsom Prison Blues is the third cover we're doing. Oh, yeah. And also at the Thrash Bash, we did um, at the end, just as like a little fun thing, we did like a little kind of like a little jam on uh, Black Magic by Slayer. Um, but, but that's about it, yeah. Steve from Bomb Scare is now drumming for Zamboni. How long has Steve been drumming with you? And how long is he going to continue drumming for Zamboni? Um... He's been drumming with us a couple months since the thrash, like shortly before the thrash bash is when he like started just filling in for us. Um, he's going to be playing the September show, so it, he hasn't been drumming that long with us. And hopefully, I'm not going to say for definite yet if we do, because that tends to jinx us. Um, we hopefully found another drummer. Steve was just always going to be just a fill in guy for us. Uh, we talked to him about like possibly like having a more permanent position, but you know, with his commitments to bomb scare and stuff, we understood that he wouldn't be able to play with us as much. So we were just going to kind of use him as like a fallback guy if he wanted to play a show once in a while. Um, but now that we actually have this uh, possibly this new drummer, we're gonna we won't uh, need Steve's services. Of course, we're eternally grateful to him because he's excellent drummer, and he especially for only one practice, he did very well. I think at the Thrash Bash and. Uh, we're looking forward to playing with him again on the 28th. What are you looking for in a more permanent drummer? Um, pretty much, at this point, anybody who could play drums. <laughs> um, it's been just so long since we've been... I mean, Nathan was an awesome drummer while he was with us, and he, it's just that his schedule was so so bad with work and his, his life that he couldn't really, like, practice or play shows as much as we would need him to. Um... And again, Steve, with his commitments to Bomb Scare, he's not really able to play with us as much as we would like. So, um, just someone who's able to um, pretty much play, at you know, at, and and have a schedule that we could work with, you know, just a cool guy who's not like you know into like hard drugs or anything like that, you know. <laughs> with this upcoming EP, how long have you and Chris been working on this? And can you explain the difference in recording techniques as opposed to your Blood on the Ice? and Mother of Resistance demos. Yeah, um, we've been working on it technically for almost a year because we started it last November. Um, that's when we tracked the drums and the guitars and everything for our first for the re-recording of World War Z, which we've released. Um, and we it's just been an ongoing process trying to meet up with Nathan, which we did for one or two other songs. And then we had Steve play the drums on the last song, so... Um, drums are all recorded. Um, hopefully we'll be able to record the, the final parts that we need within the coming weeks. Um, 
in terms of how we've done things differently, it's definitely better quality recording. I mean, I've learned a lot. I've been going to school for um, recording for the past year. So just using those skills that I learned, you know, how to mic things right and how to, like, avoid clipping, you know, mixing it better to have, like, a better, like, balance between, like, the bassier things and then the, the mid-ranges and the, the high-range um, frequencies. And, uh, you know, just, like, compression and all that kind of stuff that you learn. And, and just using Photoshop. I mean, not Photoshop. Uh, Pro Tools. Uh, as opposed to uh, Audacity to uh, mix things. Can you explain some of the major differences in using Audacity versus Pro Tools? Oh, yeah. there's. I mean, Audacity is, is good for what it is since it's a free freeware program, but it, it pales in comparison to the amount you can do with Pro Tools. I mean, the editing, it, it's simple, like, commands to edit tracks and stuff like that. Um, EQing is so much more advanced than Pro Tools. Um and just like there's so much more effects and different things you could do with Pro Tools that you just can't do with Audacity because, I mean, it is a free program. And for what you're getting with it, it's decent. But like if you want to be a professional band, you really need to like, you know, look for like something like Pro Tools, which is just so much more advanced and, and could do so much more. You're doing a pretty DIY approach to recording this album. When did you decide to mix the album yourself? Pretty much since day one that we decided um, it was going to be a DIY thing because just with the financial situation, I mean, Chris and I both work, but, you know, we just don't have the money to go and pay a professional engineer to uh, to do our recordings. So and since I'm in school for it anyway, it's really good experience for me. So I decided, you know, what, I'll just do it myself. It, it like helps a lot with like, you know, just trial and error learning how to do things and what sounds good and what doesn't sound good so it's really like you know even though we're we're not spending that much money on it it's like just the the education that we're getting by doing it diy is just so much more than you know money could buy really at your school you learned how to mix your album please tell me how long you've been studying as an engineer and what are some very important things you thought about as you have been mastering your album uh, i started studying last fall so fall of 20 what was that 2011 i started going to ramapo for sound product music production sound engineering stuff like that so and just like there's so much that you that you learn doing stuff like that like you know how how to mix things you know what level should be volume wise and also how to eq things equalize things like you know if you need like bass you want to always like you know have the bassier tones have more bass obviously and then you want to kind of like roll off the bass for like guitar and stuff so it doesn't like conflict and you know mixing drums miking drums and you know doing all kinds of stuff like that and learning how like to like avoid um uh like leeching from like when you're miking doing a multi-track miking of a drum kit when you're drum, drum, miking the full kit you know trying to like learn how to like you know use different like compressions and and um noise gates to avoid the, the leakage that you, you know, naturally get from having, you know, all mics on different areas of the drums. Define what you mean by leakage. It's like, you know, when, um, when you have a, a drum kit that you're, you're, you're miking every drum and you have two overhead mics as well, it's just without a doubt because the drums are so loud that you're going to get a little bit of the uh, other mics, like, you know, say like you have your snare, your snare is going to pick up a little bit of the toms. It's going to pick up, you know, a little bit of like the bass drum and the cymbals. 
So it's just learning how to um, to cut that out and like you know EQ it so you can only the, the snare, the hit of the snare is the most uh, the biggest thing there, so it doesn't really like conflict. And then you get a nice like clean drum sound for your whole kit. So it's always good to do that. Please tell me about some albums you've heard recently that you thought were mixed very well. The new Overkill was pretty good, I thought. Um, Havoc's new album is decent. Creators is pretty good, also. Um, the only problem is with like modern albums is you get this um, like the, the the noise wars where like people a lot of like you know metal bands are trying to like make it as loud as they possibly can because you know if it sounds better or it sounds louder than it sounds better, that's the mentality. So. Sometimes you get, like, you know, noise, like, clipping and stuff like that. But a lot of them are, like, actually doing pretty decent work now. Uh, Ghost actually has their album, I thought, was, like, very well produced. What would you say were some albums that you really thought they went overboard? Um, There's a couple. uh, Crossover Millennium Edition, DRI. um, It's not the original. It's, like, they're, like, it's a re-release, obviously, because it's the Millennium Edition. And... I guess it was remixed and remastered, and it's a lot like there's. You could tell there's clipping on it and stuff. There could that could just be because of the fidelity of the original recordings was not good, so they just did the best they could with this. But it, it there's a lot of clipping, and it's a lot louder than it needs to be. What else? Death Magnetic was not produced well. There's audible clipping on that. There's you know a couple others here and there that are just like again going back to the loudness war. They're trying to make it as loud as possible, but you can't always make it sound good if it's super loud. How do you feel that the loudness wars are devaluing the quality of music for the metal fans of today? Um, I think they're just like, it's making it less about the music itself and more about the production. And it it just makes it harder to like hear certain things and, and it's like blasting in your ears. So like, you know, you'll be listening to like, say you get your iPod on shuffle, you got Pink Floyd on one second, then it like, skips over to like you know cannibal corpse and it's like blowing your eardrums out so it's like you know it's not fun so it it, there's not as much subtlety as there used to be in the old days and especially with digital recording now like in the old days when there was clipping that was all right because it was on a tape so it really the more like the louder it was the more distortion you got it sounded actually better because it was natural and it was analog but now they have digital the digital like you know it just can't it doesn't sound good on digital because it's not like real it's not analog it's on it's it's the computer like reproducing the sound and it just doesn't sound right so you also have a side project called the eldridge abomination how much material have you made for this and this is strictly meant to be a studio project or do you plan on doing any uh, live work for it um well, for now, it's going to be a studio project. I would like to do live work when I can find decent enough musicians to, that I that I want to work with that can, you know, do stuff with it. I only have a couple songs written for it so far. I actually began this project several years ago before I was even in Zamboni. It was probably about 2009. It was originally called Horror in Rilia, which was the sunken city where Cthulhu is in the, uh, the Lovecraft mythos. But it was really hard to pronounce. For some people that you know don't know Lovecraft, so I changed it to Eldritch Abomination because it's easier to pronounce, and it's still Lovecraftian sounding. Um, but a lot of the songs that I originally wrote for Eldritch Abomination went to Zamboni. A lot of the riffs, like Brain Hemorrhage, was originally going to be an, an Eldritch Abomination song, but I decided to adapt it to Zamboni. Um, 
So right now, as it stands, I have probably like two or three songs. There's the, one that's already recorded, which is Witch's Grave, which is up on Bandcamp for anyone who wants to download it. Um, I have another one called Return to Tristram, which I've written, which I haven't had a chance to record yet, but that's written. And I would like to do a couple covers as well. Um, my friend uh, Joe Whitaker and I actually are doing, and and Chris Zamboni, Chris is gonna help me on this one. We're doing a um, a cover of a uh, Trapped Under Ice by Metallica for uh, one of my classes for my midterm. So um, I have to record that and make it as decent and good sounding as as the original was. So I'm going to uh, probably use that as like. Uh, one of the demos I'm going to do for Eldritch Abomination. But yeah, so, and then that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm always like thinking of new riffs and new ideas that I just haven't put together into a full song yet, so. Do you have any final words for people preparing to see your show at the Blue Room September 28th in Secaucus? Uh, yeah, we still have tickets. Come buy them. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's going to be a good show. There's a lot of good bands playing. It's going to be good show, good crowd, I hope. Um, and we're going to play some new stuff. So, you know, come on down. If you got nothing, it's a Friday night. You got nothing else to do. Come on down to the, uh, to the blue room and just make sure you let, let the, uh, Tim know when you come in that you're here to see his Zamboni. So. Excellent. Thank you. No problem. This has been the WMSC interview of Zamboni guitarist, Rob Orr by Nick Perkel.